Chapter Ten of Cherry Ames Island Nurse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cherry Ames Island Nurse by Helen Wells. Chapter Ten: A Meeting in St. John's. Sir Ian had continued to feel better and respond well to the diet of bland foods which Doctor Mack had prescribed under cherry's direction tess the cook carefully prepared the small frequent meals and took great pride in doing so but he'll no get well entirely with all the proper food in the world tess predicted he's sore troubled in his mind sir ian has to put up with the wild spending of his brother and sister in england and the mines too not wheel for so long his fine helpful brother who was master lloyd's father died and left Surrey in to carry the whole burden of the Barclays. Tis muckle burden for one man. Yet in spite of his big burden, Surrey in was recovering little by little under Cherry's capable nursing care. No small part was due to Lloyd, who was slowly making his uncle realize that here was someone who was a true Barclay, worthy to take over the Balfour mine some day. Bit by bit, Surrey in's mind was being relieved about the operation of the mines. It was during the fifth week that Cherry had been at Barclay House that Sir Ian began to walk about in the garden, expressed a longing to take a ride in the car. Dr. Mack thought it a good idea, so on the following Sunday afternoon Lloyd suggested that his uncle and Cherry go for a drive with him, since it was the chauffeur's Sunday off. Meg was going to the hospital with the doctor to help him catch up with some more paperwork in the office. Uh, we need a good hospital and proper professional assistance meg said douglas is working himself to the bone with all he has to do and i don't want to marry a bag of bones i'd give him his hospital now if there was the money for it his father said oh da dear you talk like a feudal baron or something making a gift to his retainers meg told him the community has a right to an adequate hospital with adequate medical staff this isn't the middle ages die you old darling she gave him a resounding kiss on the top of his head as he sat in the hall downstairs waiting for lloyd to bring the car around maggie had started outside when sir ian called after her what's this about marrying that sandy-haired pill-pusher has he asked you yet no but he will maggie answered merrily only a matter of time now she paused then added Oh, dear, I do hope Bess Cowan doesn't make any of those dreary remarks of hers about the terrible responsibilities of the wedded state before Douglas. I do wish someone cheerier were on duty today at the hospital. Meg darted out the door, looking like a butterfly in her yellow dress, and into her car. A few minutes later, Lloyd brought his car, and Surrey and settled himself comfortably in the back seat, while Cherry sat in front beside Lloyd. There was a good paved road that followed the shore almost all the way around the island. Lloyd drove through the village with its little frame cottages, scattered along the narrow streets winding up the hillsides or curving along the waterfront. They came to the hospital, and Lloyd said, Meg has been saying we must take Cherry to see the hospital. I'm sure she'd like to visit it. But it was just one of those things we didn't get around to doing. So I told myself that today's the day Miss Ames visits our local hospital. How about it, Cherry? Of course I'd love it, she said. Do you mind, Sir Ian? Not at all, not at all, he replied. Lloyd turned the car off the road and into the drive that led to the back of the one-story, white-framed building. 
he stopped in the parking space there the hospital faced the road with its back to the bay cherry looked beyond the sandy beach to where it seemed countless small boats with white sails were skimming over the blue waters of balmagi bay meg came running out the rear entrance of the building hello everybody she called cherry you and lloyd go with meg to see the hospital sir ian said i'm going to sit here in the car and enjoy watching the sailboats dr mack can show them around meg said laughing and getting into the car lloyd and cherry went inside a central hall ran through the building from front to back the various rooms opened off this hall down which dr mack was driving toward them well isn't this a nice surprise he cried i brought miss ames to see balfour hospital announced lloyd with exaggerated formality we want the dollar tour that's the mackenzie special replied the doctor with equal formality right this way folks it did not take the doctor long to show them around the hospital it was quite small too small as meg had pointed out to her father to serve adequately the island's population there was no operating room so patients in need of a serious operation had to go to st john's the hospital needed more of everything from beds to laboratory equipment but cherry was impressed with how light airy and sparkling clean the place was it had the appearance of being well managed and as bess cowan the tall gray-haired nurse said as cherry and lloyd were leaving it's thanks to dr mackenzie that we can do so much with so little do you know miss ames this hospital is considered above average in quality of service in spite of its inadequacies because of him mac and i will see you at dinner meg called after the car as cherry lloyd and sir ian went around the drive and on to the road towards the mines they passed the mines stopping at one of them so cherry could see the entrance shaft with its elevator to take the miners deep under the ground and she had a look at some of the adits or exits from which the ore was brought by cars or conveyor systems lloyd kept pointing out what must be done about better facilities and new equipment only the new mine received lloyd's unqualified approval you really did yourself proud uncle ian on that new mine lloyd told him the best and most modern pumps conveyors elevators power drills the works must have cost you a small fortune it did sir ian said grimly the road continued to Carse point at the extreme north end of the island where the lighthouse stood and there was a life-saving station and a coast guard cutter riding at anchor offshore the road left Carse point and ran now along the ocean side of the island with beaches and coves then climbed up to the cliffs after a while the road left the cliffs and turned across the island winding through hills dales and woods until it brought them back to barclay house it was a delightful drive and all three of them enjoyed it immensely sir ian appeared refreshed by it and not tired at all that evening sir ian joined lloyd and meg in the library where higgins the butler had laid a small fire in the fireplace on balfour even in summer the nights were cool cherry took the opportunity to catch up on her correspondence which she had not found time to do that week she had kept her mother and father up to date with events on the island so they knew about rogue's cave and the happenings on the hill of the abandoned mine she wound up the letter with a description of the day's trip around the island on tuesday cherry had a day off and planned a shopping trip to st john's she liked walking and she needed another suitable pair of shoes her one pair had become quite worn from her daily walks on the rocky island she could not find what she wanted in the little village store so there was nothing to do but try the stores in st john's 
she did not have to worry about sir ian for meg was going to take care of her father i'll take you to the ferry when i go to work lloyd told cherry then i'll meet you when it returns this afternoon and i'll bring you back here so it was all settled when cherry meg and lloyd went down to breakfast a few minutes past eight o'clock tuesday morning they drank their fruit juice then nora the maid brought in a plate of poached eggs to place with the cereal and other dishes on the buffet lloyd was lifting eggs onto his plate when higgins came in to say there was a call for him i'll take it in the library lloyd said a few moments later cherry and meg heard him shouting into the phone what do you mean the pump won't suck of course that pump hasn't enough suction get the big power pump oh mcguire's using it in the new mind never mind never mind i said i'll be right down lloyd slammed down the receiver coming to the dining-room door he informed cherry and meg that he had to rush down to the mines a leak has been found in one of the chambers of number two mine he told them it's a chamber nearest the abandoned mine and it's flooded cameron left word at the office that he would be in st john's on business mcguire has his hands full with the new mine i've got to go down myself lloyd gulped some coffee and hurried into the hall calling back over his shoulder i'm terribly sorry cherry not to take you to the ferry please forgive me meg look after cherry will you and he went outside and drove off in the bug after lloyd left cherry told meg how much she had enjoyed the drive around the island the sunday before because she had been thinking ever since that she had never known a place so filled with beauty and legends from talking about the island the two drifted into talk about rogue's cave and meg said higgins knows all the old tales and he used to tell me stories by the hour i suppose he told you how my granda when he was a boy was lost in the cave oh yes cherry said and he said your grandfather used to do experiments in the room at the top of the tower and that he wrote in a secret journal by the light of a candle at night that's right exclaimed meg when i was a little girl i used to go up there thinking i'd look for the secret journal but i was much more interested in peering out through the telescope than in anything else she paused and went on eagerly you know what cherry no what replied cherry grinning let's go up to the tower sometime and search together we might even get lloyd to go with us meg stopped and considered that oh he wouldn't go she decided he'd probably think it was too childish for anything but cherry you're in the house a lot when you have a free hour or so why don't you go up to the tower room and look for Granda's secret journal yourself cherry's eyes sparkled now i think that would be fun she exclaimed a secret journal a room in the tower that's an exciting combination meg laughed gaily if you do decide to go when i'm not here she said look behind the tapestry that covers the end of the hall on the second floor you'll see an old ironwork door go through it and climb the stairs until you reach the very top of the tower meg looked at the clock on the wall above the dining-room fireplace oh dear she cried out cherry i have to beg off taking you to the ferry i promised ramsay i'd see him first thing this morning and tell him where to plant the new shrubs and if i know ramsay he's champing at the bit this very minute smith will take you cherry i'll tell him right away i'd better run please excuse me cherry meg pushed her chair back and going out the french windows that opened on to the dining terrace ran down the path towards the gardener's stone cottage at the west end of the grounds presently higgins came to tell cherry that smith was ready with the car any time she wanted to leave 
dressed in a pretty woolen skirt bright cashmere sweater and cardigan with a close-fitting hat to keep her curls in place in the wind cherry stuck her head in surian's room to tell him she was leaving have a good time shopping for i know ye are no different from meg when it comes to that he said and don't take it amiss if the lads stare at ye he added they would not be able to help themselves ye as pretty as the morning cherry lass ah thank ye surian cherry told him with an impish grin that mimicking his accent as your daughter says ye have a silver tongue with compliments it was a beautiful morning the sky was bright with the sun overhead the scattered clouds were floating lazily when she got out of the car at the wharf captain rab was just going aboard the sandy fergus he recognized her at once and they exchanged greetings then he invited her into the wheelhouse meg always cons the helm that is watches the course while i steer he told her with a chuckle whenever she makes a trip to st john's cherry settled herself on the window seat and she and the captain talked about the barclays and how much she was enjoying her stay on balfour it lacked some minutes of time for departure and there were not many passengers on the boat as yet cherry noticed a passenger leaning over the rail with a start she recognized the man that she had seen on the hill who is that she asked captain rab pointing the man out oh that's joseph tweed replied captain rab he's known as little joe tweed lives in st john's he promotes prize fights speculates in stocks owns a fishing schooner called the heron always seems to have money i did not like the man cherry told captain rab then about seeing little joe on the hill peering out at his fishing schooner you say said the captain he's a wise man to keep an eye on her a rougher lot of men i've not seen in many a day as little joe has for a crew and the captain's no better he's had his license suspended too often for any respectable shipowner to hire him it was time to start the captain clanged the bell and shouted to a deckhand to cast off the mooring lines the engine roared into action and the boat got under way on the way to st john's captain rab observed the steady fall of the barometer and remarked that he did not like it there's dirty weather knocking about he told cherry pulling at his pipe the crossing was choppy and the sky was becoming feathered with clouds when the sandy fergus reached the st john's wharf you had best take the may be going back the captain advised cherry she leaves earlier and will make it over to the island for this storm breaks of course if you did not mind a bit of wind and water the sandy fergus leaves around four o'clock i'd be happy to have the pleasure of your company cherry thanked him and told him that it depended upon how long it took her to do her shopping whether she could go back on the helicopter or the boat at a quarter past two she had finished her shopping she had taken a little time to have lunch buy postcards and send them with brief notes to dr joe the spencer club girls midge ruth dale and other friends at hilton hospital as well as to her family the sky was overcast by two o'clock inquiries about the maybe revealed that it would not be taking off since the storm was coming up it began to rain there was nothing to do but wait for the sandy fergus cherry with a full shopping bag and a couple of packages which she could not cram into it dodged into a pleasant-looking coffee shop near the wharf she sat down at a table beside a window which faced the harbor and ordered chocolate milk and cookies the waitress told her the ferryboat came in around three or shortly thereafter cherry glanced around the restaurant at a number of well-dressed women and children a few girls and several businessmen one man at a table in a corner drew her attention 
by his frequent glances towards the entrance and then at his wrist-watch to check the time obviously he was expecting someone who was late he did not appear to be a man accustomed to waiting there was an air of importance about him he was well groomed and wore finely tailored clothes his hair was a distinguished salt and pepper but his eyes and mouth were hard and the whole cast of the face was that of a man of authority cherry watched his growing annoyance for a while then gazed outside it had grown prematurely dark lights began to appear along the waterfront and on the craft in the harbor the wind steadily increased and the rain now bounced off the street there was a boat moored to the wharf a few yards away cherry read the name heron lettered on the side so that's joseph little joe tweed's fishing schooner she thought just as she was about to turn away she saw a man coming up the wharf he stopped under the light to look at the heron as though to be sure it was the right vessel then jumped lightly aboard that moment was time enough for cherry to recognize jock cameron can it be possible that old jock and little joe tweed are connected in some way she asked herself while she was thinking this over the door of the coffee shop opened and two men entered slapping their wet hats against glistening raincoats cherry gasped they were the pilot jerry ives and little joe tweed there is mr broderick over there said little joe loudly enough for everyone in the restaurant to hear the two walked directly to the table in the corner mr broderick appeared extremely annoyed little joe started to say something but broderick would not let him finish he rose put on his coat picked up his hat and motioning for jerry ives to follow him strode out of the coffee shop little joe watched them leave then left the shop himself and walking to the heron went aboard End of chapter 10